guys doing? I want to extend my welcome again to all of you, uh, back to the house. What a beautiful day, isn't it, in Seattle? Yeah, to those of you who are visiting, this is how Seattle looks like 30 days out of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today, before I begin my sermon uh, for the morning, I want to congratulate those of you who have been baptized last week. And uh, here's your certificate. Uh, I have Kenny Valencia. Uh, is Kenny? I saw him, yes. Congratulations, Kenny. All right, man. Here. All right. And then we have Matthew Buntoro. Matthew, all right. And then we have Melvin. I know Melvin is in the youth. I can pass this to him um, maybe after the service. All right, congratulations, Matthew. Alright, and to those of you who are from Indonesia, uh, if you are planning to go back to Indonesia, please keep your baptism certificate. Please listen to me, okay? Because every year we always get requests of all these kids going back. And when they want to get married, as you guys know in Indonesia, you cannot get married without a baptism certificate. Okay, I'd let this be a warning. Uh, next time we're going to charge you $500 for calling and begging me. To give you, <laughs> I'm just kidding guys, it's free, it's free, okay? But uh, it's not a joke, every year we always get people calling, Oh pastor, I don't have my baptism certificate, I can't get married. <laughs> so yeah, uh, this is real, this is not joke, okay? Uh, so today we want to continue on our sermon series, we are still in the financial sermon series. Uh, two weeks, ago, uh, three weeks ago, we talked about the matter of our hearts. Why is money important? Why should we talk about money in church? Because if you guys understand, you know, in the Bible, actually, amazingly, God equates money and God almost equally, right? There is a verse that says, you cannot serve two masters. Either you serve God or you serve money. So like, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm like, wow, God made that statement. That means money is very powerful because money can change people. Okay, money itself is not evil, but money truly can reveal the real you. Okay, the real you. So that's why it's very important for us to talk about money. And then last week in our second session, we talked about financial planning. Right, financial planning is not ungodly because there are certain people that say, Oh, you know what, we are, we are uh, God's people. You know, we have faith, therefore we don't need to plan. Because God can provide everything. That's true. God provides everything. Uh, all of our money and all of our belonging belongs to God 100%. But God also taught us to be a good steward of our uh, financial, financial situation. So that's last week, okay? Uh, and then we also talk about um, uh, the action items. How many of you actually do the action items, right? right? A sermon is only a sermon. It's only a word unless you apply to it. Right? So please, if you have not done the homework from last week, please do it. Lock in your spending. Find out how much you make, how much you spend. Okay? And if you spend more than you make, then you have a financial problem. Okay? Okay? No matter how much, how much you, you try to run, uh, it's not going to work. Because if you, every month you are negative $500, it's not going to work. And so uh, do your budgeting. Uh, and then, and then uh, what, what else? Uh, diversify your investment, right? Don't make foolish investment. Uh, don't get trapped up when people said, um, you know, like, oh, if you spend, if you give 
$1,000, if you invest $1,000, by next month, you will make $10,000. You know, uh, those quick uh, rich scheme, uh, it's not ideal. By Biblically speaking, God does not like those kind of situation because it's just... That's not how God works, okay? Uh, so diversify your income, uh, investment. How many of you uh, see my Instagram post about my bicycle, right? Yeah, I purposely didn't want to explain too much because if you have heard the, the, uh, if you have heard the sermon, then you know what I mean, right? Are you laughing at me, bro? <laughs> yeah, so check out my Instagram post. You will see my bicycle. So basically, two weeks ago, I, uh, last week I was sharing that during the COVID, because, you know, we have nothing much to do. So I was browsing the internet and I found this electric bike that was supposed to be like $40 or $35. And I was like, oh, such a good deal. You know, I checked the photo and all that stuff. So I bought it. When it come, the electric bike is only this big. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And they are smart. They only charge you like maybe $35 free shipping, you know. So when it comes like this big, the bike, bicycle, you, you this, I, I don't want to take time to fight for it, right? Because it's $35. It's just a lesson. My wife said, yeah, it's a, it's a crash course for you because if it is too good to be true, it is. Okay. So before we begin today's sermon, let's play the game. Family feud. Come on, guys. All right, let's show the, the question. All right, name things you will post on social media. Come on, it's easy. Food. Chris, anything about food? What? That's crazy. All right, 100 people were, were uh, uh, what do you call this? Uh, were asked this question, okay? So this is not from me. This is from 100 very... Very, yeah. Anyone else? Selfie. Chris, any selfie there? Woo! What did you say? Vacation or traveling photos. Alright, there you go. Anything else? Art? Okay, for Kenny, art. Anything there? How... <laughs> Favorite songs. Come on. Show it there. Oh, no. Yes, Angela. M marriage or relationship. Chris, show them. Yes. Announcement. Let's continue then. It's okay. Anybody wants to try? I know you guys got three wrong already. <laughs> huh? How wealthy you are. Showing off, you mean? Showing off. No. Okay, Chris, show them number five. A party. And number four, an outing with friends. All right. So there you go, guys. I hope you guys enjoy the family feud. Okay, I want to start with a few quotes, okay? I want to start with a few quotes. It says, money is a great servant, but an evil master. Okay? Money is great in your hand, but money is evil in your heart. George Lorimer says this, It's good to have money and the things that money can buy, but it's good too to check up once in a while and make sure that you haven't lost the things that money cannot buy. How true, isn't that? Yeah. 
So when we make decision on our financial future, let's make it in a biblical uh, sense and in a biblical ways. Amen. Uh, last week, we also learned uh, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, it says, easy come, easy go, but steady diligence pays off. Okay. And then we also, in, in the ESV version, it says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So have a financial plan be biblically sound about money. Don't let money be your master, but let money be a good servant for, your, for you to use uh, generously to help others. Uh, here's another quote uh, by James Frick. It says, Don't tell me where your priorities are. Show me where you spend your money, and I'll tell you what they are. Because I can tell your priorities just by, by me seeing where your money goes. Because where you spend the most money is probably where your heart is, okay? I know in America, most of, the, most of us, we spend our money in our mortgage. Uh, but, but other than mortgage, I think we can tell what, what is that, okay? Today, I want to share with you one other thing about financial series. Uh, this financial series is called financial derailment. You know, a lot of times, many, many of you have always come to me and say, Hey, Pastor, can you uh, coach me how to become financially free? I want to achieve financial freedom. How many of you have ever heard that word, financial freedom? Especially in the American culture, we always talk about achieve, achieving financial freedom. Because why? Because majority of us in America, we are running a rat race that we can never get out. You know, like 15 years ago, 17 years ago, I used to uh, start a class in hotel rooms uh, where we invite people to come from all of the community and I will, I, will uh, I will let them play a game called cash flow game. How many of you have ever played that game? One of these days, we should play that board game in, in church, okay? It's a cash flow game and when you play that game, you will learn what is actually wise investment, what is actually a good cash flow strategy and all that stuff. And then after we play the game, then the next 30 minutes, I will teach them about financial freedom. That used to be who I am, okay? I used to, to do that. And, and, and a lot of times people ask me like, Pastor, I want to learn about financial freedom. You know, I, I want to retire early. <laughs> uh, I want to not be able to uh, stress over my finances and all these questions. Good! Just listen to the first series of this sermon, second series, and today I want to give you a little bit of a warning. If you cannot overcome today's uh, session, it's very hard for you to achieve financial freedom. I can tell you that. Okay, so the financial derailment is called envy. Oof. I'm poking somebody's feelings now. Okay, what is envy? Okay, envy is one of the tragedy of today's society that can cause financial derailment in our lives. And envy is defined like this, a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possession, qualities, or luck. I don't know how many of you have this problem of envy, okay? I'm very thankful that here in our community, we, we don't... Uh, we don't show off, you know, well, we, we are in the opposite. We always share about what's the cheapest way to buy stuff, 
right? Yeah, I know some, some people say, oh, you know what, I, I was in this community, in this state, and the people around me are like trying to show off. They want to wear the most expensive stuff, and they want to have the brand show, you know. Uh, but here in Aljazeera, Seattle, I don't know, I don't know all of you, but among my close friends here in Aljazeera, Seattle, we always look for the cheapest stuff. And we are very proud of it. Yeah, they're like, you know how much I buy this? Ten dollar. So it's the opposite, which is good. Then we can get rid and remove all this envy in, in our community. But I, again, I don't know all of you. Some of you might be struggling with envy, okay? And Luke chapter 12, listen to this. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he said to them, take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. And that word covetousness, I checked in the Bible, uh, Bible dictionary. It defined as greedy, envious, inordinate, Desire often for another people's. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. The MSG version sounded even better. It says this, speaking to the people, he went on. Take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot of it. Even sometimes we, you know, families, uh, when we have a house, how many of you have heard this term? They said that the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And when you, uh, literally in my, in my house, uh, if you come to my house, the neighbor's lawn is definitely greener than mine. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but whenever people say, oh, pastor, life is so hard because the neighbor's lawn is always greener than mine. No matter how much I try to take care of it. I said, hey, you know, don't worry about your neighbor's lawn. My philosophy is it is always greener where you water it the most. If you want your family to be greener than your neighbors, then water your family. If you want your spousal relationship, you know, your marriage relationship to thrive and bloom and greener than your neighbors, then invest in your family. Invest and water your, your, your spouse. That's all. Easy, right? Water it. Water your lawn. Water your own lawn. Okay? Don't water your neighbor's lawn. They are husbands, wives that like to water their neighbor's lawn. That is foolish. Okay? I know I'm poking some, some holes here. The world defines our success or happiness by the things we acquired. How many cars do we have? How many square footage is your house? Oh, your house is only 2,000 minus 4. <laughs> By the way, my house is not 4,000 square feet, okay? Every time we have care group in my house, we are having difficulties to feed care groups. That's why I tell our care groups people, please don't combine the care groups because my house is not big enough to fit a combined care group. Just have one or half of the care group. You know, because <laughs> my house cannot fit the whole care group. My house is quite small, but my house is full of love. I want to go home. Really, I want to go home. Even though my house is small, I love going home. So that's okay, <laughs> right? It, it looks green in a different way, okay? <laughs> the message around us is that you need to get this because you don't have this. If you have it, it'll make you happy. We are always focused on what we don't have. Working our tails off for the things that we don't really need or could never satisfy us. That's why we are always on a rat race. Yesterday, we just saw, buy a, buy a mattress and no interest for 60 months. 
60 months, no interest. Wow, only in America. You know, I, when I first came uh, from Singapore, you know, when I landed in Ohio, I went, because uh, at that time, again, this will reveal my age. Please don't judge me, okay? When I arrived in, in Ohio, that was the moment where cell phone becomes widespread. Okay, so I want to have cell phone because it's kind of cool. So I went to car toys. How many of you still know car toys? Okay, not many anymore, right? I went to car toys and I was trying to look for cell phones and I was ready to pay $1,000 for a cell phone. And amazingly in America, cell phone is only one penny. Seriously. I was like, one penny, one penny, one penny. All of the cell phone you can choose is one penny. Wow. But after that, it's $50 per month to pay for that phone. <laughs> so here in America, we are consumed by all this buy me, buy me, buy me, because it's so cheap to start buying me. But then you are entangled with the debt. You know, I used to sell uh, vacuum cleaner. How many of you have heard that story? Right? I used to help sell vacuum cleaner. I go from houses to houses selling vacuum cleaner. Man, I have tears going from houses to houses because I just graduated for my bachelor's degree. I was so proud. I was so excited for my new life. And my first job is becoming a salesman of a vacuum cleaner. And the vacuum cleaner that I sold was $1,500. $1,500. Okay, the first home that I went to, the guy said, no, I don't want to buy it. I have no money. I said, thank you, sir, for your time. And then I pack up and I left. And my boss was so mad. He said, why did you leave? What do you mean? He doesn't want to buy. He said, no, he will buy if you sell. He said, the next house when you go, call me before you leave. Okay, so the, the second house, you know, it was a trailer, guys. I went to this woods and it went into the trailer. Literally a trailer. I was like, oh my God, he can't even buy a real house. How is he going to buy a $1,500 carpet uh, cleaner so i did my my presentation and then the guy say no i'm not interested to buy and i said okay i need to call my boss first so i call my boss and my boss says why ask him why so i said why didn't you want you buy my beautiful vacuum uh, i have no money and then my boss say when will he have money <laughs> say okay if you have no money now when would you have money my paycheck when was that two weeks later i said okay sir deal you can get this vacuum cleaner for free today. Deal? And sometimes they, they got tripped up. They're like, oh, really? Free? So they shake hands with me and then they sign a paperwork that they have to pay $150 per month after that for the next 10 years. This is life, you know, sometimes in America. We are tripped up by all this zero down payment, zero interest, buy now, pay later. And then in the end, we cannot pay for it. We always work our tails for the things we don't need. Have you ever thought, you know, that the things that you don't have right now, how many of you have a desire to buy something? You're like, I must have it. I must have it because if I have it, I will be satisfied. My life will be complete. And then you bought it. And then for three months, you are so happy. And then the fourth month, it becomes part of that junk pile in your garage. Come on, be honest, Right? I always tell my wife and myself, I said, no way. My garage is for my car, not for my junk. If I can't fit my car in there, something is wrong with our life. That's my standard, very low, right? Yeah, garage is for car, garage is not for my junk. 
So please, okay, it's here I, I, I wrote this. He said, that thing that was supposed to make you happy and fulfill is no different than the collection of things you already have. It's a pile of yesterday things that could never make you satisfied and fulfill for a long time. Needless to say, forever. Okay? After this, husband and wife discuss. <laughs> the number one issue couple fight about is also a topic many couples avoiding discussing, which is money. It's always, it's about money. The Ramsey solution say money fights are the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. So our financial derailment begins with envy when we always want things that we don't have. And when we compare the things that they have. Dave Ramsey says this, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> How true. Some of us uh, buy things to impress our neighbors, which we don't like. How many of you don't like your neighbors? <laughs> no, my neighbor almost disliked me after I bought my dog. Because my dog attacked the, uh, the park, you know, this cute park. <laughs> At first, the neighbor was very friendly. Oh, cute dog. And then my, my dog ran after the park and bit the park. And then my neighbor said, quickly get him out. Get him out. And from that day onwards, we try to be careful with our neighbors, okay? <laughs> yeah, but we're good now. We're good. We already have restoration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as we don't let Ellie out of the house. <laughs> okay. A research, listen to this. A research study posed this following question. A new employee will be, which, which new employee will be happier? A person that makes 36,000, I know this is kind of old, 36,000 in a firm where the starting salary is 40,000 or the one making 34,000 where the average is 30,000? Which one do you think is a happier employee? He said, around 80% said 34,000 will make them happier if the average in the company is 30,000. When I first get out from that, uh, that um, vacuum job, I got a job in Starbucks. Very cool. Starbucks coffee company. My dream job. I used to love Starbucks. I drink it every day. I told you, right? I spent $10 a day on the lattes. So when I got a job in Starbucks, I thought, oh, dream come true. You know, in the headquarter, it's so beautiful. The headquarter uh, is almost like a Starbucks cafe. The whole headquarter, it looks like a Starbucks cafe. So it's very beautiful. So when you have lunch, they, sometimes they have live jazz musician playing jazz. Man, this is like a dream come true for a recent graduate, okay? I was so happy. I was telling my parents. I was telling my friends. But one day, one of my best friends who worked in Starbucks, I found out how much he made. And he made more than me. And immediately, the next day, I said, I hate Starbucks. Sucks. This company's bad. I hate my job. And some of my mentors was like, What's wrong with you? I thought you loved Starbucks yesterday. No, I hate Starbucks. I don't want to drink their nasty coffee anymore. From, you know, nothing changed. I still have the same position, the same company, the same paycheck that I was happy yesterday. The only difference is I am aware. I'm comparing. I, I wrote this in my Instagram a couple years ago. I said, comparison kills contentment. Comparison kills contentment. If you keep comparing, it will kill your contentment. You'll never feel happy. You know, I used to, 
I know, don't judge me, okay? I used to love this Prius because it's kind of cool, you know? Long time ago, Prius is a very cool car because it's a hybrid. You know, I just need to pay $30 for gas and it can run for like, I don't know, 400 miles maybe without gas. So cool. I'm so happy. I was just telling my friend like, I got a hybrid car, Prius. Toyota, Prius. So I was driving, okay, on highway. I was very happy. I'm driving a Prius. I can save money on gas. And then suddenly an M5 drove next to me. (laughs) Suddenly I'm like, this Prius sucks. (laughs) What junk car is this? I hate it. What's the difference? I st- it's still a Toyota Prius. It still drives 400 miles in a, ga- in a full gas tank. The only problem is I'm comparing now. No difference. The situation is the same. The only difference is now I'm aware that I don't have that one. I want that one. How many of you feel that way? You know, even when I bought a new car, after I take it out and I drive for a few weeks, and then suddenly I'm thinking of the cars I don't have. Instead of appreciating of the car that I just bought. Crazy, right? And Warren Buffett said this. It's not greed that drives the world, but envy. And then in addition to that, social media makes it worse. If you are stuck at home 2020 and you're looking at the social media and you're looking at the lives of people, it makes you even more depressed. Take a look at this. Okay? See? Social media, they just got a new motorcycle in real life. It's a lie. Next slide. See? <laughs> oh yeah, COVID, no problem. I'm going to Europe. Reality is toilet seat. <laughs> Next slide. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> Social media is a lie. Next slide. Oh, it looks so beautiful in reality. It's almost like my family, you know. What I post on Instagram looks like this, but in reality, it's like that. Next slide. Oh, so beautiful, Paris. I, will, I love to go to Paris. I always tell people, I want to go to Paris. But almost 90% of the people I said, I want to go to Paris, they say, don't. Because it's junk. It looks like that. Okay. Next slide. Oh, so beautiful, the bridge. But in reality... Is there another one? Okay. So, how do we overcome envy? How do we have contentment? Number one is, uh, be, be diligent. Oh, what's this? Oh, be diligent. Uh, Dev Ramsey says, God feeds the bird, but he doesn't throw the worms into the nest. Rise, shine, hustle, and grind. Okay. So, how do we overcome envy? Number one, be content. Oh, that's so vague, Pastor. How do we be content? And say, Stop comparing and look what you have. Take stock of what you have. Then you, you will learn how to be content. Right? Be thankful for what you have rather than keep thinking of what I don't have. What other people have and I don't have. Just say, you know what? Good that they have that. I also have other things. Yeah? Uh, Proverbs chapter 14 verse 30. It says, a, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. James chapter 3, verse 14 to 16, it says, If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. 
or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Learn to be content. Marshall Siegel says this, We will only be truly content with what we have when we know that we have Jesus. Amen? Um, so be diligent, be content. You know, don't always start dreaming and like, Oh yeah, just buying that lottery ticket, tomorrow I will be a millionaire. And you never work. Doesn't work that way. We got to grind and work and be diligent, right? Yeah. A Fast Company article, I was reading this book recently. I, I'm finishing up this book called The Deeply Formed Life by Rich Villodas. Very good book. You guys should read it because it's not very popular for this generation to, to read this kind of book. But this book says this. In a Fast Company article, the term filter bubble describes an algorithm on Facebook that created an echo cham- chamber for people to see only the content content they will most likely agree with. The filter bubble is a good image for what is happening in our time. We surround ourselves with ideas, interests, political thoughts that reinforce what we already believe. This has led to a brazen demonizing of people who think otherwise. The way of this current world is to friend and follow people in the social media universe based on shared interests and values. And although this brings about helpful social identification and connection based on affinity, it has created a new set of problems. We are increasingly distanced from people with whom we disagree. This was not Jesus' approach. And that is the problem with with us here in America. That's why we have such a big division. Because right now, when we talk to people, we can't even argue anymore. Because what he sees is different from what I see. That person have never seen what I see. And I don't see what he sees. And that's the problem. When we argue, you know, a long time ago, when I argue with someone, we kind of can respect each other because that person sees my view, I see his view, even though we disagree with each other's view. But today, I don't see any of your view. I have no idea what you're talking about. And therefore, you are an idiot. And that's the problem with social media now. And that's what the problem with the whole media, actually. You are only fed with things that you already agree. It reaffirms you. And therefore, you are blind by all the other uh, noises that the other um, ideas and the other ideologies. We, we got to be careful about this, okay? Because in church, it could, be devi- it could be a very divisive tool for the church too. So be careful, guys, okay? Uh, I love the social media uh, just to connect with friends. Especially, we have so many friends that have traveled all over the world. I love. But once it gets to this news... Especially opinion. I don't read opinion. I don't care about your opinion. I'm smart enough to have my own opinion. Okay, just give me the facts. And I will sum up my own opinion. I have the Holy Spirit. I'm smarter than you. So whenever I read an article, I say, opinions, opinion piece. Uh, oh, what, what do you call that? Opad. Nope, I'm not going to read those. Just give me the fact. 2,000 people died because of the tsunami. In January 25th, this happened. Just give me the fact. And I will determine the opinion myself. Okay? So be careful when you read the media. So, action item, guys. 
action item, I'm done. Number one, hey, be diligent. Okay, be diligent. You, if you got to work, got to work, man. Don't always think like, oh, this thing is going to hit it so big, I'm going to be a millionaire by buying my Bitcoin today. You know? Oh, man. Some of you are crying right now. <laughs> yeah. People said, Pastor, you know, during the COVID, Pastor, are you going to Disneyland? Disneyland is open. Why do I need to go to Disneyland? Every day I watch the stock market, it feels like a roller coaster. <laughs> I don't need to go to Disneyland. Like, oh, I have a new high. You know, Dow Jones just went up a thousand points. And then tomorrow, oh, Dow Jones just went down 1,200 points. Oh. <laughs> I don't need to go to Disneyland. <laughs> I just watch the stock market. I'm like, oh yeah, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I think yesterday or uh, how many days ago, they said, oh, uh, Elon Musk just lost $60 billion of his net worth. And then what did I say to my wife? $60 billion? What is that even entail? I can't even wrap my mind. What does $60 billion look like? <laughs> right? So I calculate. My calculator cannot even do billion. Not enough zeros. My calculator. A stupid calculator. It doesn't want me to become a billionaire. My calculator says, ah, for you, 100 million is enough. I can't put even 1 billion. How am I expecting to get 60 billion? Just joking, guys. Be diligent and be content. Take stock on God's blessing in your life. Okay? Sounds good? Let's all stand, okay? We're going to have a prayer. I want to pray for you. If there are any financial struggle in your life, you're struggling financially and you lost sleep over it. I've been there, okay? In 2008, I went bankrupt in 2008. And I have to take NyQuil every day to sleep because I, I couldn't sleep. I was like sweating cold sweat. So I understand. Financial challenges is real. Financial challenges is real. And financial challenges can break families and can break individuals. But today, let's declare that Jesus is Lord over our lives. That He is our provider, right? He's our provider. I, oh, I learned something from 2008. I said that our lifestyle must not be proportionate to our wealth. The gain of our lifestyle shouldn't be proportionate to our gain of wealth. What I'm trying to say is that if you get a bonus, if you get a promotion of a 20% increase in your salary, you shouldn't increase your lifestyle by 20%. That's not wise. If you have an increase in salary 20%, your lifestyle must be about 0% increase. That's how you get financial freedom. Because if you keep following your financial gain, you will never overcome it. That's one, one other thing that I learned from 2008. I learned when people get greedy, I back off. When people get scared, I come in. That's my philosophy. Okay? Whenever I get raised, I still live the same way. <laughs> I eat the same food. Okay? Yesterday's steak was great. But fried rice is also good. <laughs> okay? <laughs> 
I want to pray. If there are any of you in this house today that are going through financial struggles, maybe your business are shaky, maybe you you are having to go through some um, financial failures, maybe you don't even have enough to feed your family. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this financial series. Father God, we do not want money to become the foundation of our focus. Jesus, you are the foundation of our focus. Today we declare that Jesus, you are everything to us in our lives, in our studies, in our work, in our financial needs, in our family, in our marital relationship, relationship between parents and children. Jesus, you are the foundation of that focus. And therefore, today I pray for my brothers, for my sisters that are struggling financially. Maybe they are stressed right now. Maybe they are overly anxious. They have lost sleep. Maybe they have quarrels within their family. I speak blessing over them right now in the name of Jesus. There are things in their lives that needs to be changed first and foremost. Because money matters is heart matter. Maybe there transformation that needs to happen in our hearts, in our spouse's heart, in our own heart, Father God. So that our perception and understanding about our financial goals and our financial needs can change. We don't have a thought or distorted metaphor of money in our lives. I speak freedom, Father God. I speak financial freedom in every individuals right now that are struggling financially. I pray that you will renew their mind and change their heart. Allow them to not treat money as a good master, but treat money as a good servant. Teach them to be generous, Father God. Generous to others. Because as they become generous to others, they are no longer self-centered, but they are other-centered. Jesus, I pray that you will bless every individual, every family, every husband and wife. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated, everyone.